the Cambridge Marketing Podcast with Kiran Kapoor. Brought to you by Cambridge Marketing College. See their range of courses and apprenticeships at marketingcollege.com. Hello and welcome. This week we are in the world of football clubs. And I'm delighted to welcome Dan Bronowski, who is Head of Communications at Cambridge United. Dan, welcome to the show. Could we start with um, telling us a little bit about uh, Cambridge United? Well, Cambridge United, we're um, obviously a smallish football club in Cambridge, uh, but um, it's a club with a lot of history, a lot of heritage. Um, and, you know, we've shown we're really important part of the community, not just a football club that plays football games. We've got a community department which reaches out to thousands of people each week. Um, and we're currently at a really good sort of moment in the club's history in terms of the level that we're playing at and our recent success. So it's a good place to be at the minute. So when you say you're a, a smallish club, um, for those of us who know absolutely nothing about football, can you sort of yeah. give me a rough scale? Yes. Yeah, so in terms of our regular attendances at uh, at the Abbey Stadium for our home games uh, would be just over 6,000 people. Um, so, you know, in the grand scale of football clubs in England, professional football clubs would be on the smaller side, obviously compared to Premier League clubs and clubs in the Championship, but we're competing at League One level, which is um, essentially the third tier of professional football in the country so you've got the Premier League and below that's the Championship and then we're in League One. Okay and League One is is how many clubs? Uh, 24, there's 24 teams in the division. You all play each other twice yeah so if you finish in the uh, like the top two you'll get promoted and then there'll be t four teams that are in the playoffs and then opportunity for another team to join them and likewise you can get relegated which we very very nearly did last season but <laughs> we managed to win um i think it was six of our final 10 games when we were at one point looking very likely to go down and we stayed up on the final day which was very um very exciting and uh it was a nice nice ending to what was quite a difficult season really it must have been really nerve-wracking if it came down to the last day yeah, it was. And we were winning our game comfortably, but we needed help. We needed two other teams that were above us on the final day to not win. Right. And so one of the teams uh, was losing quite comfortably. So we didn't really have to worry about that one. But the other team, Milton Keynes, um, they were nil-nil throughout the game. And so at any point, if Milton Keynes had scored it wouldn't have mattered what we did. We would have gone down. So we finished our game and everybody was just waiting to hear the news about what was happening in the other games. And I assume for a football club, it's really the league that you're in really matters. If you had been relegated, would it have affected your your brand standing and your marketing and the and the money that you take? We, yeah, I mean, it would have, it would have affected a lot. I mean, yes, uh, income would have gone down uh, in terms of, uh, like league payments which you would receive it would have had a big impact particularly on our commercial department um, on potential future sponsorships and it would have affected the mood of the supporter base which is one of the most important things you know and it would have meant that we'd have had smaller attendances uh, more than likely um, so yeah it would have been certainly um, 
pretty damaging blow, especially considering we'd only been promoted a couple seasons earlier and we've had, like I mentioned earlier, some really good success in recent years. So it just would have certainly put us back quite a bit. What do you actually do within your role? Give me an idea of the sort of sheer scope of what you do. Yeah, so the it's a really large sort of remit, really. Um, we do everything from all sorts of PR communications, media, marketing uh, to do with everything from the first team news and the coverage of fixtures. So we will go to every game throughout the season, um, cover all the games for the website and for all of our channels. Marketing of fixtures, um, such as you know, trying to promote, uh, promote our games, promote our initiatives, trying to get people to the games, all off-pitch news and promotions, such as uh, our club shop, our different like junior packages we do for do for kids on match days and we work with we have to cover our academy which is a you know a huge operation our women's team youth development and that's on everything from website social media email marketing video uh, we even do print we do a match day program for every home game other sort of physical initiatives last year we had a sticker book which um, people could collect stickers with uh, for players throughout the club's history and other aspects um, with each program that they get and we're doing something similar this year so you know it really is a wide remit um, that we have to sort of try and cover the best we can. So there's an element of um, there's the reactive information but you're also obviously coming up with new initiatives so like your, your sticker book that you mentioned. Yes yeah and so that's something that's particularly that's what this time of year is for now like when you haven't got the weekly sort of grind of fixtures um, that's the time to sort of be able to plan ahead and think about what we want to do next season um, in a more medium to long term manner. Because once the season starts, it gets it becomes difficult when mm. every Saturday and many Tuesdays you've got a game, and with each game comes pre match press conference, you know, uh, match previews, blah blah blah. You know, different things that you need to do for games, and especially for home games, it calls you know even more planning such as sorting out the press accreditation and um, just the planning of planning of the event so then it becomes quite difficult to do um, some of the more long-term long-term stuff during the season yes so I hadn't even thought about the fact you would need to do press accreditation but of course you do and I was very intrigued I was looking at your website this morning of the various things that go on and one of the things that came up was a mascot package yes I guess that's an example of an area which we would help in um, you know in terms of like trying to promote those, get the message out there that people um, people can book these now. Um, and so, you know, we've got, you know, various different departments and areas at the club who need our help in promoting what they offer, you know, youth coaching, all that type of stuff, mascot packages. So, yeah, it's, um, we're busy. <laughs> it sounds like it. And, yes, you have a, a, a wide area. One tends to think of it's just the, um, the club and the players, but actually there's yeah. all the other things that go around it. Yeah, it's a... It's, yeah, it's a it's a big operation. I mean, the different, the higher up you go in the bigger clubs you get, people would be more specifically, um, you know, appointed to covering the media or the comms within certain areas. Or, um, But when you're at a smaller club like ourselves, you need to be, um, yeah, you need to be ready to do everything. So can we talk about who the main stakeholders are in that you communicate with? I mean, you, you've talked about fans, you've mentioned sponsors, but so what, what's your sort of hinterland of stakeholders? Yeah, so I've, certainly number one is our supporters. Um, they're the people that we communicate with 
most regularly, you know, pretty much every single day. Um, and then on top of the supporters, you've got, like you said, sponsors from a purely communications department, players, managers, coaches, staff, our community department, and then outreach into the local community. But yeah, I mean, I would say certainly supporters are our number one, um, number one stakeholder. Okay, so um, you you said you had sort of roughly six thousand people that that attended. So is is how wide wider from that is our supporters? I mean, I'm assuming you can support a team, but perhaps not be physically able to attend. Yes, of course. I mean, six thousand would be like our regular match going attendances, but there'll be supporters further afield who can't make it to the games. Um, I mean, we do have a number of you know probably a few hundred international supporters and they can watch games from a stream um and so we um you know quite key for us is promoting that and making sure that people can watch us even when they're not local um Mm -hmm. and you know cambridge united's got a long history so there'll be expats and supporters dotted all around the country and what have you but you know key for us really probably more than anyone is the people who are physically able to get to the games because it's really important to us that we keep growing our attendances and keep growing the club. Okay, great. Thank you. So you said that you you communicate almost daily. So yeah. can you can you explain for the listeners how you plan those communications as well as what you communicate? Well, it's it's a difficult one. I mean, there are certain pieces and certain things which you do plan out and, you know, you certainly on a Monday is an important day for, you know, me and my boss to get together, look ahead at what's going on this week and so what it is that we need to, what news we need to put out, what communications we need to do. But it's also a very reactive um, job where things happen just like that and you need to be quick to sort of react. Um, you know, really our role is to um, inform, entertain and engage and so you just got to, keep that sort of try and constantly be communicating and doing all those things to keep our supporters entertained, informed, um, and yeah, just engaged with the club so that they're more likely to want to want to come to games, want to spend money with the club and want to, you know, keep supporting and show us that enthusiasm which we need. So obviously creating a sort of community and a community feel and being part of a membership is is really important you said it was reactive which i find very interesting so what sort of things are you having to react to how quickly do you have to react well you have to react really quickly one good example is at the moment it's the off season and a big part of a big part of the summer for us whilst there's no games going on is um, the signing of new players or Mm -hmm. contract renewals of new players so um, you know, we'll receive a message um, from our director of football one day, uh, one evening saying that, you know, this player is coming in tomorrow to sign. We need to be ready to do all their announcement media, which um, wow. which is more and more um, sort of elaborate as the years have gone on compared to when I first started in the industry. You know, that's photos, videos, press release, uh, just you, there's a huge appetite for supporters and for the digital world to receive you know this online content and so you need to be ready to sort of deliver on that so it's literally you can be warned the night before yeah absolutely i mean that's yeah that's what it is it's uh, you have to be very um, very reactive and ready to sort of uh, drop whatever you were hoping to maybe do mm. that morning or whatever it may be to to do something like that which is like a high priority item obviously 
gosh okay so that yeah that's really really swift um especially for the level of information that you've you've then got to give out so as in we yeah. talked about supporters what sort of things do you have to do towards sponsors well sponsors i mean i would work alongside the commercial team i guess but there's a lot of um there's a lot of uh, activation work which would come under sort of me and my team so making sure that we give them the appropriate um you know coverage that they deserve and that they've paid for you know because a lot of the time in the sponsorships they'll want that online recognition and they'll want that mm. um you know they'll want us to use our voice to mm-hmm. amplify uh who they are and so mm-hmm. we would play a really big part in making sure that we do that and so that they're happy yes and that presumably that means you've got to be very well aware of what what um, the commercial side is yes. and therefore what you've got to cover. Yes, exactly. So it's really important that, you know, me and the commercial manager have got a good relationship and we're always, uh, you know, always able to talk to each other about these things. Um, otherwise things will get, things will get missed off because we've all got our own priorities and, you know, personally speaking, um, a sponsor's um, contractual obligation wouldn't be something that would be at the top of my mind necessarily. So mm-hmm. he would need to, you know, communicate that to me. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And the other area I'm really interested in that you, you mentioned was the players, managers and coaches, because that's sort of internal communications, but it's obviously a really important yeah. part of what you do. So what sort of things do you do there? Well, it's super important. I mean, um, as well as carrying out interviews um, and whatever it may be with them myself and internally um, also responsible for the uh, arrangement of press conferences, um, interviews with external media, um, whatever it may be. So having a good relationship with them so that you can communicate with them to let them know, oh, you know, so-and-so has been in touch from uh, whatever uh outlet it may be and they'd like to do an interview and you can have a bit of back and forth about that but you know we we also use the players a lot for commercial and community reasons you know sending them out to local schools to do this and that um you know for the local community uh, going to a um a sponsors event um because obviously the players and the manager they're you know the most visible and well-known people at the football club so they've got a role in all of that as well and so it's part of you know my role to sort of be that middleman and to have them on side so that they can um, they can carry all that out so do you have to do a lot of coaching of of the players because obviously players want to play football but this is obviously a whole other part of what they do so are you constantly having to coach on media management and that sort of thing uh yeah I mean it, it depends on who the player is and how much they've done in the past and how confident they are and how comfortable they are I mean it's sometimes only natural that you go towards the ones who are more comfortable and happy to do um happy to do interviews and what have you but um yeah I mean sometimes you certainly do and some some players will want more like um information prior to an interview for example or some sort of event than others whereas some are happy just to sort of um you know they've been in the game long enough to sort of know how to act and know what's needed but certainly with the younger players and whatnot they might want some feedback as well and you just sort of help them through it I can imagine that sometimes involves some very tactful conversations. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, to be fair, most players now, they're they're sensible enough to sort of know what they should and shouldn't be saying and what have you. And um, yeah, they're they're pretty good. I mean, you can be 
lucky or unlucky with the group of players you've got. And I think we're quite lucky that we've got some, um, you know, some good people, but sensible people who, um, who sort of understand understand their role on that side of things. So what you said that um, what you had to produce had, had very much changed over time. So what sort of changes have you seen? Well, I mean, I first started in the industry about 10 years ago. Um, and so although social media and digital was, um, was certainly there, it wasn't as, uh, as core to sort of everything that we do as it is now. So that's the main thing. I mean, back in 2013, I think Twitter, for example, only had 180 characters, just text, no pictures, no videos. Um, and you just see, you can just see across the industry, you look at all football clubs and the content they produce, it's just skyrocketed to another level in terms of the quality. You know, like I said, back then, things would be filmed on uh, on their phones, audio would be dodgy, there wouldn't be that much thought about the creativity and, you know, how sort of premium the content looks, whereas now, like, it's just on another level. I mean, each club's different and is certainly you go to the Premier League or top championship clubs, I mean, the media teams and the communications teams can be 20, 30, 40 deep, you know, across all the different areas of what we do. Whereas, you know, we've got a full-time team of two across marketing, communications and media. Um, so it's very different depending on where you're at, but there's still that pressure to pressure to deliver good quality content and to, um, and to you know, not be left behind in that sense. Mm-hmm. And how did you um, start working in this area? You said you came in 10 years ago. Mm, yeah, so I did broadcast journalism at university. Um, always super interested in sport, particularly football. Um, took me a couple, two and a half years after graduating to get, get a job. Um, and so I had to do a lot of voluntary work experience, um, you know, placements, what have you, send out a lot of CVs, a lot of a lot of interviews not given, all of that, a lot of disappointment. Um but yeah, eventually got eventually got my break working at uh Stevenage Football Club and um went from there. And I I know some of the audience will be listening thinking, so wow, how do I get into sports marketing or sports PR? Um you've just said that you obviously got some knockbacks in the beginning. So how does one even start to um if your dream is to into work for a football club, what how do you even start? Well, I mean, my advice, I mean, experience is the most important thing. So to just offer your services um, and to just try and get as much experience as you possibly can um, before actually landing, you know, a full-time role. I think having um, I think having qualifications in certain areas is obviously important, but, you know, really being able to sort of demonstrate that you've had your foot in the door in places and that you've been able to produce uh, work which you can show is probably the most important thing but you know it certainly is difficult and it's probably more competitive even now than it was then but it's people who love sport who love football <laughs> there's just so many people out there who would want to do this sort of job you know so it is oh yes you, know, you definitely have a you have a dream job for an awful lot of people I mean yes you're in a very very fortunate position from that sense um so yeah. is it do you start with your you said Stephen it's United do you start with the really smaller clubs and just go can I volunteer to do some media for you and that sort of thing is that a good way to start yes it is I mean a lot of football clubs certainly the smaller clubs they do use interns and mm-hmm. uh people on work experience and stuff to help out so often like 
um, football clubs, when there's a university nearby, they'll lean on the people from that university to sort of help out on match days in particular, for example. Um, and so I would certainly say that is. And so then you can build up a little bit of a CV where you can sort of show the work that you've done um, at, you know, other football clubs or sporting media outlets or whatever it may be. Um, so, yeah, 100%. I mean, I think you need to be able to demonstrate what you can offer and what you've done. Um, and I mean, I wouldn't say for sure that you, somebody just starting out wouldn't be able to get a job at a Premier League club, but um, probably looking at the smaller football clubs is probably the way forward. And there's a lot of non-league clubs out there, you know, I'm talking about professional football, but there's a lot of non-league clubs out there that would love a help, you know, love a helping hand, love of someone to volunteer and to give up the bit of their time to help them because, you know, they would have even less resources than, you know, clubs like Cambridge United. Yes. And that's really useful as well, because sometimes people are worried that if they start in the sort of the very smaller areas, it actually counts against them. But in this case, it would be a good thing to get on your CV because you can showcase what you can do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you can't start at the top. Everyone has to um, everyone has to start near the bottom. So um, absolutely. Dan Bronowski, thank you so much for that overview of um, uh, PR and comms for Cambridge United Football Club. That was really interesting. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. The Cambridge Marketing Podcast from Cambridge Marketing College. Training marketing and PR professionals across the globe.